Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy or making effective changes to old practices. Your lesson, should you choose to accept it, is to use social media to create connections with and educate your teaching colleagues. The special agent assigned to help you with this task is Andre Doughty, educational speaker and content creator of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Lesson Impossible listeners, I want to thank you all so much for your ratings and reviews on iTunes, as well as those who share the podcast online. Due to the responses I'm getting, and the fact that my schedule is a lot freer under Washington's stay-at-home order, I'm going to try to release Less Than Impossible episodes more often, so that's why you're getting this episode on a Wednesday instead of the usual Sunday. Andre Doughty has one of the most prolific online presences of any teacher that I've ever seen. He's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, has his own blog, multiple YouTube series, as well as an online office. Of course, he manages this all while facilitating workshops for schools and organizations. I wanted to talk to him about what being an educator that shares his life online is like, and give some perspective for others who may be considering doing something similar. We chatted over Zencaster, and I felt like I knew Andre before we even spoke, which is a testament to how much of his personality he shares in all that he does. First of all, thank you very much for being willing to talk to me. I know you're very busy with your blogs and Uh your blogs and all of that. So thank you very much. Thank you. To start, maybe you could just give a a, a quick summary of of who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My name is Andre Dowdy. I am an educator from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, born and raised inside of the field of education. My mom just recently retired from education after spending over 40 years in education. So Congratulations was, to her. I know, right? So I was inside of that classroom every day, every Saturday school, every summer school, every intercession, every staff meeting, every whatever they had. So I've been in education my entire life to the point where I can remember a few summer schools uh, being there with my mom and breaking out into pure uh, peer tutoring groups, helping them like with algebra one and algebra two. And I'm sitting here like, hold on. Now as an educator, I get it. Like, wait a minute. I, I was a teacher assistant. But back then it was just, it was just mom saying, Hey, Andre, take them over there. And, um, show them how you solve for X or show them how X, Y, Z, whatever it was. So I was totally that, that kid growing up. Uh, from there, I wanted to, uh, to do the exact same thing. So I went to Langston University. And in Oklahoma, uh, there aren't very many uh, HBCUs nationwide. But in Oklahoma, there's one called Langston University. And HBU is a historically black university? Yeah, HBCU, historically black colleges and universities. Yes. And so uh, Langston University is one of them. I attended there for four years and I was going to major in music. Uh, I love music, all things musical. I was uh, I'm very musical and didn't know it at the time, but in the latter years, I did understand that I'm pretty gifted musically. So I was going to be a music teacher, you know, combining both of those worlds. 
once when I got there, I realized that I did not have my very first black male teacher until I was in middle school. And so I thought to myself, what would happen if I got to influence others at an earlier age? So instead of being a band teacher or a band director, what if I could be an elementary teacher and show them like, look, there are black men who like elementary as well. Uh, from there, I integrated technology inside of classrooms and got to become like an instructional educational coach uh, district wide. And now I get the opportunity to teach teachers new strategies and teach principals new strategies and new ways on uh, furthering their education. And so that's pretty much the the small story of who I am. I'm married to a wife who is a second grade teacher. She's loving all things education. And I have two kids and those two kids have been in my workshops, just like I <laughs> And those kids have done breakouts with teachers. I love that the most. It was really a full circle moment uh, doing like an entire day workshop and then breaking them out into like centers and stations and saying, okay, you, you guys go over there with my daughter at the time who was a fourth grader. And, and she's going to teach you how to blah, 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 blah. You guys over there, you go with my son, who at the time was like a sixth grader, seventh grader, and say, he's going to teach you blah, 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 blah. And then they're breaking God into these groups. And then my children are teaching them how to teach students. Oh, it was, it was really, really special. Really cool. Really cool moment. And very impactful, I imagine, for the teachers. You're never going to forget that, Prodi. Oh, absolutely. Imagine... Because uh, sometimes our educators say, oh, this is fun and dandy, but this is something that my kids can't do. And now they're seeing kids can do it. Or they're saying this is just too difficult to understand. And so having a fourth grader explain it to you where you can get it, or having a seventh grader share it with you in a different way where you understand it, oh, it's very powerful. Very, very powerful. It's interesting, too, that you mention like your your musical ability. I just interviewed um, someone else, Hedrick Nichols. I myself have like an acting background and I think it's very common for teachers to have performance loves. There's something so performative about teaching that we don't tend to talk about, but it very much I think attracts the creative and the people that love to be in front of a, a crowd. Oh, I agree. I heard one friend say Teaching is 90% performance and 10% preparation. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, wait, what? No, it's backwards. And then I, the more and more you actually think about it, the more and more you chew on it, the, you are standing in front of students who will clock out, will get bored, will start drawing, will, will disengage if you don't keep their attention. So you do become an almost edutainer in a way. I, I've never really thought of that until when the friend said it. And I was like, that is the truth. Because you can prepare your script all day long. You can prepare your music all day long. But when it is time to perform, you've got to be able to capture the audience and keep the audience. And that's that's teaching right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you also, you do your uh, laugh a little video blogs that try and bring some lighthearted nature to teaching. Can you explain what your, your thoughts behind that were? Oh, absolutely. So, and, and it all started because of 
of just being in in music. Uh, I love music so much that I use that inside of the classroom. Like right now, rapping in class is popular. Chanting in class, everybody's doing it. But in the early 2000s, there wasn't too many people doing it uh, because they was afraid of hip hop. The hip hop culture wasn't uh, mainstream, kind of like how it is now. And so whatever the kids loved, I did. Mm -hmm. So the reason why we rapped in class and we rapped and we chanted parts of speech and we chanted how to uh, dissect the sentence or we chanted different strategies on reading comprehension and math. Well, that's what the kids like. So we're going to find a rap and then we're just going to create a rap around it so they can remember it better. Um, And it was the same with movies. The kids could remember a movie and a scene from a movie, but then when we're talking about it in literature, they couldn't remember that chapter or that part inside of the book. And so we started to use movies as well. I had one student who would always give me a corny joke of the day. And I love a good corny joke. That's just who I am. The cornier, the better. I will get tickled and I will laugh. But I realized that that's what that kid loved. So every day I made sure that that kid gave me one and I gave that kid one. So I was just connecting with uh, students in that way. And that's building culture. Well, now that I'm outside of the classroom, I realized how many teachers just didn't laugh enough throughout the day. But there are moments in education where you laugh all the time. And so I started to ask people to share some of those funny moments with me. And some of them do. They'll email me. They'll DM me some of their pictures. Others I just find on the Internet because oftentimes we as teachers just don't smile and laugh enough throughout that academic day. And so that's where the Laugh a Little series came from. And uh, anytime I see something just funny or something that could make a teacher smile, well, that's what I'm going to do. And so uh, it's it's been really, really funny. Some of the answers that the students share or some of the stories that the teachers have told. So uh, I get a kick out of it and others have as well. I think that building community that way, something that has really, I'm out of the classroom now too. And especially now that, you know, everything is remote teaching and I'm connecting which is amazing to be able to connect with someone across the country, but I was doing in-person interviews before and just realizing how much of the digital community is actually my community. I never would have said, oh, I've had a friend that I've never met in person, but now I can absolutely say that. 100% agreed. And the one thing that I didn't realize until maybe two or three years ago is today's generation, this is how they grew up. They grew up on Minecraft, never actually physically meeting half of their friends. And so just tapping into that alone during this COVID-19 quarantine, online social learning, all that thing. It it has been amazing to connect with people, to learn from, from people that I've never physically met before. And what other ways do you create? a digital community for yourself? Like you're very active on Twitter. I know that you blog a lot. Like what are other ways that you've been doing that? Yeah, that's a terrific question. When I first started, uh, I read the blogs just like everybody else. And one thing that I found that I just couldn't do was I was trying to mimic everybody else's style. Mm. A certain blogger wrote this way. So then I wanted to format my writing like this or, and, and the more and more that I real I tried to be somebody else. I, my inner self kept fighting it. 
And so I finally just decided I'm going to be me. And the way that I am me is I provide comedy, uh, laughs, jokes, and inspiration all in one. And so the way that I do it the best is through videos and media. I can write, but I enjoy creating videos uh, just because a person could watch a video in two to three minutes of time versus, you know, saving a blog for a later date and may or may not be able to get to it. And so some of the ways that I've been helping teachers is one way it is called um, the real lesson within and real spell R-E-E-L. Once again, I love movies. I use movies a lot. So I try to find clips inside of those movies that are teachable moments. And so I've started to do that. Uh, one example that I love the most is a movie called Drumline uh, with Nick Cannon and Zoe uh Zoe Zaldana, I think that's her name. Well, anyway, in that movie, uh, Nick Cannon oversleeps and his roommate from college was supposed to wake him up. And the Nick Cannon was like, hey, I'm not that person's responsibility. That person's supposed to wake up on his own. And so the band director tells him, hey, you got to watch out for your brother. We are one band, one sound. When one wins, we all win. When one fails, we all fail. So I'll pause that clip and then share it with other teachers and say, here are some learning lessons that you can use with your class just from this small clip. And so I'm finding that more people are enjoying that because now they can use some of those exact film clips with their students inside of their class or with their uh, students at the collegiate level. And so I'm just trying to produce videos that can help teachers uh, perfect that craft of learning and teaching, and then to inspire them to reach out even more. Uh, Those are the main two I like to do. I have another series called Chew on This, and that's just finding perspective in things that sometimes we overlook. (laughs) One example is I tried to have a garden last summer. I don't know what is going to happen this year, but last year year I tried to create a garden, and I, I found myself frustrated because in my mind, I put the seed in the ground. I water. We have enough sun in Oklahoma. I'm supposed to have all of this produce. You know, I reap. I'm supposed to sow a great harvest. And I was sowing nothing. <laughs> and so I found some lessons in that perspective. And I grew frustrated in the midst of it. And then I finally had uh, some things to grow. And I was so excited and elated. Uh, and then, you know, once again, that's a teachable moment. How often do we want our students to grow as soon as we plant it? Um, sometimes it takes months before you you get a return of investment. Sometimes you may not get an investment in that season, like the tomatoes that I put down. And I did not get a single tomato, nor did I get lettuce. And I planted a lot of lettuce. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is right now outside, lettuce is sprouting everywhere. And I have not replanted lettuce. The lettuce is just now grown. So once again, there's the perspective in that. And so I call it chew on this because kind of like a tough piece of gristle meat for those who eat meat. Sometimes when you chew on a steak, you'll get a really tough piece of meat and it takes some time to chew on it and to process it. And so chew on this was another series of just there's some learning lessons everywhere and I'm trying to encourage and, and share those learning lessons uh, all together. Something that I remember being told when I was 
starting out in teaching, which was, um, you know, never let them know too much about you don't share too much about yourself in either the classroom or in the staff room. And, and that's something that I have learned is in my opinion, just absolute BS. Uh-huh. Like how do you build relationships unless you're willing to share? Now, obviously I didn't tell the kids things about me that was too much information or currently happening, but like they knew all my embarrassing stories from Mm -hmm. when I was in high school and, you know, they, they knew who my best friend was. They knew who my my husband, my dog, how have you had any pushback on this idea of literally filming yourself and your family and, and all of that? Oh, absolutely. Our generation X generation Y people, we grew up from the previous generation, like Generation Jones, Baby Boomers, who said, do what I say, do what I say, do what I say. Not like watch what I do, but do what I say. I said, don't do it. You don't do it. But our generation questioned everything. Like, why is it that we got to do X, Y, and Z? Why is it that we can't have cookies before dinner? And so that's just something our generation did. And I was one of those main people. If you explain to me why, you did something, then now I have a better understanding and I can make a better decision. If you tell me don't do it because I said so, then I will probably do it because I said so is just not a good enough answer for me. Uh, It's teaching people how to think, not what to think. And so it's the same way uh, with a lot of the videos that I share, Uh, even sharing stories with like my family and and things like that. I want to share them, well, show everybody, you know, this is why I explain how I explain. It has stopped a lot of confusion with our two kids because now they're able to process much differently. Um, and then I'm going to just be honest with you, in, in the society in which we live, the reason why we started having those conversations more was during the Trayvon Martin during the Mike Brown, during the Tamir Rice, like, son, I've got to explain to you why you've got to have your hands up or on the wheel when the police pull us over. I got to explain to you why you just can't walk around at the mall certain ways. Is it fair? Absolutely not. But I'm going to explain to you why now so you can make the decisions and read the room better when such such and such happens. Uh, and then the same with my baby girl, just the same thing. Uh, my, my beautiful princess, she's a darker skinned lady. And in certain parts of society, that racism has hit hard on her. But she understands why they say that now. She understands that there are just going to be some bigots in middle school. She understands that there are some students who have never seen uh, a black person or who have never conversed with a black person. So all of those uh, stereotypes and profiles uh, are coming to that school and then they see her as something that she is not. Um, And so just having those conversations of the why out front really do help settle a lot of the nerves on social media. So I am able to be more open and honest uh, versus just staying on surface level because of that. Yeah. And I, I think you referenced earlier about how you can, in many cases, be the first male black teacher that young people see. And I think as well with your videos, sometimes you might be the first male black 
teacher that people are seeing online. It's shocking, but it is just the reality in which we live. I can tell you there's been a few times that I've done workshops. And as soon as I walk in the room, I am the only Black person there, or I'm the only person of color there. And so you see the looks that you get. And so for me, this is an opportunity, once again, a teachable moment. I've I've seen several funky looks at me like, he's going to teach me today? Can he teach me? Is he smart enough to teach me? And so like they almost size you up in those moments. And so once again, being a teacher and having those opportunities to share to explain thoroughly that we are all in this together. And just because my skin is different, we are still educators. We still care for kids. We still want our students to be the best that they can be. And so we break down those walls that way. And if there's a a teacher out there that, well, first of all, I would say everybody needs to go and watch your videos. But once they've done that and they're inspired to try and do something similar themselves, what advice would you have for teachers that want to reach out through video to other educators? Yeah, I, I would tell them to find whatever their passion is. Because as you know, once when you start a series or you start a podcast or you start anything, if you don't like it, It goes from something really fun to do at the beginning to tedious and I just want to quit. So whatever the passion is, you got to find that passion is, whatever that passion is. And then if the passion is videoing, today's cell phones is pretty much all you need. If you have an iPhone, you already have a forward facing camera and you have iMovie. So you can edit any videos that you want straight from there. If you have a droid, then you have a forward-facing camera and you can use something called KineMaster or any of the Adobe products will work as well. Uh, And once again, it is very simple to edit and then you can just post directly to YouTube. If you have a Gmail account, you automatically have a YouTube account because those are connected as well. So today's technology really makes it easier to streamline and to quickly upload wherever you want. No matter what social media you're on, after you post a video, most of the apps will say, do you want to share it in Facebook or IG or Snapchat or LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever it may be? Uh, But the key is finding your passion of what you like to do. And then the second thing I would suggest is don't do it for the likes. Don't do it for the heart emojis. Don't do it for the loves, the thumbs up or whatever. Do it because you just truly enjoy doing it. For me, uh, sometimes some of my videos are less than 100, and I'm okay with that because I've had one or two people who say, hey, Andre, I appreciate that video. I'm going to try that in my class. That's where it counts. That's where it matters. So don't start something just because you're trying to become social media popular. Do it because it's going to make a difference. Yeah, that's really good advice. Something, too, I know that, as teachers, were some are very shy about having even other adults in the room, let alone a camera. And there is, and I hope this is changing, but like a culture in teaching where getting feedback is often seen as a, a negative thing. Have you gotten any positive feedback from, or, or negative feedback that has helped you from listeners through your videos? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the majority of it has been positive. And the reason why is I try to make it as informal as possible and explain to 
whoever it may be. Here's how you can use this. Here's the link for this. You try it. So when people watch any of the videos or when people see it, they can see how easy it can be done and how they can replicate that same idea. Switch it up. Instead of it calling it laugh a little, you could do almost like here's the book of the day. And then they explain instead of doing a research paper on whatever book they've read, it could be a commercial or a PSA or something like that. So I really do try to show them like this is how you do it, but customize it to fit your own. So I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from that. The one time I did get some negative feedback was when I tackled a racial issue on a video. And um, basically, I'm trying to say this diplomatically. So many words, they said that racism doesn't happen in education. And we need to... What? <laughs> and we need to leave that out of the classroom and just focus on academics. Oh, man. I can't even begin where that's oh yeah so that was a very very thoughtful response mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so i asked the person were they open to conversing because that couldn't like that discussion won't happen over the comment section in whatever social media like that needs to either be a face-to-face or a video face-to-video face type of conference Like, we got to unpack this and it won't be able, tone might be misinterpreted through comments of typing. Like, we need a real conversation uh, on that. Uh, And the person was open to the real conversation. And so uh, we we discussed for about three hours. Wow. On that. And in a long story short, that person just had never really been exposed to a different side of education. And so I explained to that person, well, just because you haven't been exposed to it doesn't mean it is not happening. And for you, it hasn't happened. But for me, it happened my entire life. So that's where the conversation started. Uh, And then for that reason is uh, why I am very open on my Facebook page now. I don't block anybody on my Facebook page. I welcome any and everybody to my Facebook page and I always give them a disclaimer that the people on my Facebook page can be as liberal as they can be, can be as conservative as they can be. And I'm trying to be that bridge because I realize that there are two Americas for some people, for some people, it is the America, the land of the free, the home of the brave and the hoorah. And then for other people, America has not been as equitable. And so just having those conversations and discussing those things openly and honestly, I think, is what's helping uh, our our nation heal. And uh, once again, all of this kind of started around the Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice. It kind of amped up a little with the uh, Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling at NFL. And and it's continued on through different colleges saying the N-word openly. And these are professors to and through education where now with the COVID-19 and how everything is supposed to be online learning and distance learning, but we are not discussing about those students who perhaps don't have technology or the resources to get online and to do the work. So yeah, we're talking equity and having open and honest conversations. 
And uh, I'm grateful for everybody who's uh, who's been participating on, on Facebook. Thank you so much for the work that you do. I've found it really informative from the, the chew on this. And then I laughed more than a little to, <laughs> to your videos. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Can you share? I'll obviously put some links in the show notes to all of your stuff, but uh, what are the different ways that people can find out more about you or find the stuff that you're doing? Yes. I, my main three uh, social media platforms is if you just look up Andre Dowdy, A-N-D-R-E, D-A-U, G-H-T-Y. And so if you were to go to Facebook and do Andre Dowdy, I'm there. If you were to go to Twitter and do Andre Dowdy, I'm there. Uh, If you go to YouTube, Andre Dowdy, I'm there. Those are the main three that I post on. The Facebook is for those rough conversations, in addition to some funnies and some laughs, things. But but I really try to open up and, and ask controversial questions at times just to have that conversation uh, from all different perspectives, because that's how we learn. And then YouTube is where I house all those videos. So the Chew on This series or the Real Lesson Within series or the Laugh a Little series, all of those happen on YouTube. So Andre Dowdy, uh, or you can go to my website, andredowdy.org. Any of those places we can connect. And I look forward to connecting because I want to learn from different perspectives as well. We're all growing because that's what we are. We're teachers. Teachers never stop learning. Awesome. And is there anything else that you wanted to mention that we didn't touch on today? No, I just want to say thank you to you. Um, Thank you for podcasts like this who are open and willing to share knowledge and strategies for others. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Andre Doughty on why teaching is performing, how to use multiple mediums to connect with other educators, how powerful moments and conversations can create real change, and why using your children as free labor helps everyone learn. If you want to find out more about what innovative educators are doing around the world, go to lessonimpossible.com. And if you like the podcast, please consider forwarding it to your colleagues and rating and reviewing it on iTunes. This has been Lesson Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin.